I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. Yamakipiebo, Sedere for cable, wind dog Latin, he quoth. Uge, Savasaray! Well, he bit all the he dogs and winked at all the she dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that day. We just have a good rhythm together, you know? I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. This computer. Yeah. And, oh, damn, there it is, damn. I thought Fast. That was a, it, we're recording now. I thought that there was another step, but hello. I don't know, you must have hello. calibrated your system to have it be on a hair fucking trigger. Call me Elon Musk, baby. Why? Because tech. <laughs> <laughs> that was so lame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, tech. Good at tech. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I just, I just clicked my mouse. I'm basically like Zuckerberg. Yeah. I just double clicked. I'm Elon Musk. Welcome <laughs> to another high octane episode of Spine Crackers. Uh, That's the sound of Spine That sounds good, probably. I am your host, one of them, Matthew. Next. I am your other host, uh, Paul. I'm the other, other, other host, Gabe. White meat. And today, meat. we are reviewing a book that is Gabe's choice. Gabe, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So uh, this is this is my pick. It's um, Base Cathedral by Nathaniel Mackey. Um, this is uh, a the fourth volume technically in in a in a larger work that Mackie's been working on since the 80s i think the 90s maybe um called uh from a broken broken bottle traces of perfume still emanate and um there's there's one volume i think that's come out since this was published in like 2008 or something 2009 uh and it it i think it probably sounds weird to be starting with the fourth volume of a work that's five volumes, but I think, and Mackie's talked about this and, and it's been written about the, it's written in a way that's not, it doesn't, it, you can sort of dive in anywhere. It's not, it's not super linear. It's not, there's not like a, a through line necessarily of a plot from beginning to end. Um, it's, it's, it's written in uh, as, as letters it's it's epistolary which is a, mm -hmm. a great a fun word that you can use when talking about this these books epistolary everyone's pissing on each other <laughs> yeah anyway. it's it's a, this is actually just just fucking scat porn yeah 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 water like, sports do you like the double meaning of scat there because jazz yes dude uh, oh yeah great so it's like uh i piss on larry yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Larry being the one through line character in all of the novels. Yeah, right, exactly. He's like more. <laughs> um. So yeah, so uh, this it's it's sort of yeah, it's it's written in the form of uh, letters to an unknown individual who's who's addressed only as angel of dust and um it, they're from uh the the writer n who goes by n who's a member of a fictional 
a jazz group in um, Los Angeles in the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think the first, the very first book, the letters start in like 79 or 80. So like it is linear in the sense that like it progresses through the years, but there's no like through line plot or whatever that's that's sort of that you need to start at the beginning for any specific narrative reason. You know what I mean? So are the, are the so other the books are kind of modular, like yes, okay. So like the do you know the, if the other books are like also about jazz band? Is there like yeah, it's all the same. It's the same writer and it's the same. Um, group i think there's like a you know new member a, a new member or two might come in uh through the course of them but uh they're all written by by the author known as n and of course the author of the actual book is nathaniel mackey so we can talk about the identity of the writer of the letters versus the identity of the author of the text that we are reading in real life um that's something that i think is interesting to talk about as well but yeah so that's that's sort of the the big picture of the book. I picked it because I had read a book. Um, it's non nonfiction. It's a book of theory of philosophy by um, political philosophy, educational sort of higher ed by uh, Fred Moten and Stefano Harney called the undercommons. And um, I was so taken with it that I was looking up some of Fred Moten's other work and he had cited Nathaniel Mackey a couple times. And so I've sort of, felt compelled to pick it up and see what it was all about. That's how you do it, folks. I mean, yeah. that's how you read other things that are different. <laughs> so you find other books. Well, yeah. and then like, and then like the, you know, the, the like broad strokes, there is a kind of a story occurring here. It's just that it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it takes place over like maybe two years, three years. And, uh, it's the release and and just sort of follow up reception of an album yep by the band called uh, Orphic Bend yep and and uh, i think it's yeah it's like it's really only barely a year like the letters the the first letter is dated at the end of 1982 oh. and the and the last letter is dated at the in the middle of 1983 so it's really only like 7 months or something 7 or 8 months i think um so yeah, it's like it's like a book about a record release Yep, and then like the members kind of like <clears throat> dealing with it. Yeah, and uh, so it's the name of the the group. Superficially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's the yeah Orphic Bend is the name of the record, and the name of the group is uh, Malimo Matet. Malimo Matet. Yeah. With the the uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, use of uh, apostrophes and interesting sort of like vocal things in the throughout the novel in terms of names and stuff but yeah it's 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 about a record release and the sort of aftermath of it for the group as a whole and the members of the group and there's some um i don't know maybe i don't know if magical realism is the term but there's some uh certainly some 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 strange events that follow from the release of the record so let's get into that this this was one of the I think you agree. Uh this is like as far as a, a theory heavy work goes, this felt the most like the most complicated kind of uh theoretical 
where like, there's so much like <clears throat> going on. Yep. Whereas like, I feel like we were like, you know, we talk about Humesville and even like the Disipasio or whatever as being like fairly theory heavy or, 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 um, you know, expostulations of, of these ideas being seen through, but this one felt, this was dense. Yeah. I, I, I think I said in our chat and I'll mm. reiterate it here and then maybe do we want to do the thing where we just, cause we're, we're, we're going to try something new tonight where we're just going to give our scores up front and then talk about the book and then revisit later. So maybe we can do that yeah, let's do relatively that. soon. Um, but yeah, this, this, for me, this is what, this is one of the most difficult books I've ever read in, in all of the, like, uh, yeah, all of the sort of various w senses of that term. Like it, it, it was super dense. It was super, um, yeah. Theory heavy, conceptual, uh, just, just linguistically deeply challenging. Like yeah. I, I felt like I was, and I think I said this to you, Matt, at some point, like it, this, this is going to feel just like a fancy way of calling a black man articulate, but <laughs> I, I, I really, I was, I was literally <laughs> looking up like four to se seven words per page. It felt like that I just had never heard before. Like Mackie's vocabulary is like out of control. Um, and the way he deploys it is like really just mind bending. But yeah. he also writes like really beautifully too. It's not like it, I didn't really find it to be that showy. It was it was. I mean, he's a he's a poetry writer, right? He also writes poetry. Yeah, he won the National Book Award for for a uh, a book of poems, Splay Splay Anthem. I he must. I feel like he regards himself. I don't know, like as a poet primarily, who happens to be writing in prose uh, or something like that. Because, yeah, like a huge part of it just feels to be things meant to be spoken out loud, things that uh, are, are meant to be very pleasing to orate in a way that would be, you know, akin to jazz. Yes, there's there's uh, there's like clear sort of um, I don't even know what the right term is for this, but there's clear sort of resonances with the way that Mackie writes and writes his sort of um prose rather than poetry like the, this what we're dealing with tonight and um jazz and he clearly is like a deep has a deep understanding of of jazz as a musical genre and as a style and of even even the sort of you know biophysical mechanics of playing the instruments yeah. you know yeah and and none of us has read any just another just to reiterate uh none of us i don't think has read anything else by the dude Nope, I've I have I have the nope. collected first three volumes of the 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 work, um, and I've flipped through it, but I have not sat down and read it in a sustained way. Okay, just got want to put that out there in case you know, because uh, especially with a guy working to create this kind of um, you know, all encompassing life work made out of modular components over decades and decades, like you know, we are most likely missing some element here with this particular installment you know or get getting a, a a chunk of the the map the fog of war is only lifted on this one little yeah it's here. like it's like when you're fucking playing fucking age of empires 2 and you just like have only yeah. sort of scrolled over like a tiny piece of the map and that's all you can see i think that that's kind of our our experience wow. i mean that's that said i do think i i do think mackie wrote it in such a way that you can kind of like dip your toes in like basically wherever 
in at least in terms of the things that are considered sort of complete like it would be weird maybe to start like in the middle of this book but he's divided them up in a way that i think like you said matt it's kind of modular you can read them roughly in any order and not lose like some some huge thread um i would like to read them all in order though whenever whenever he finishes if he ever does that would be fascinating i think yeah there i still think there's some inescapable something there in terms of just when you wrote them in order yeah and well maybe maybe we can maybe we can talk about that more i think that's probably a will be a and it could be an interesting point to talk about once we do you guys want to just do try this and give our scores early yes yeah okay. i'll go so a tradition uh, by tradition i'll go last okay um, go fall uh initially i think i'll give it a 3.87 i liked it pretty good Nat nice. Mac, great writer. That's a uh, that's Nat Mac. That Mad yeah, Mac. Him... That's awesome. No, Nat Mac. Nat. Oh, Nat Mac. Oh, I thought you were saying Mad Mac. Uh, both both are good. That's kind of crazy. That's exactly the fucking to the secondary decimal place. The digits I was gonna choose. <laughs> really? Holy holy yeah. crap! Three straight up three point eight seven. Damn, that's wild. Wow. Damn wow. thong song all over. Uh, thong song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that doesn't make any sense no ten, uh, ten so you got to do this for yourself yeah. sometimes yeah yeah this is for the love of the game um <laughs> odd, uh, well yeah and i guess we probably shouldn't explain the scores too much at this point because that's what we'll go on to do uh i i liked it i liked it a little more it was like a 4.22 for me that being cool. said uh the Moment to moment experiences reading this varied greatly. Yeah. Uh to me. And sometimes I was fucking just miserable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I, I remember reading some, you know, there's a there's a, a number of extended descriptions of live performances by the yep. band. Uh and I literally remember one was like I it is like rap like transcendently. I was like so engaged in it and like and then I remember there's another one that came shortly after. And I was like, this is like the worst kind of fucking like I was just like, this is like pitchfork music review over description of what kind of sound a guitar makes. And I hate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah I've had a really I had a really similar experience. Like I, I would grip on to some things and maybe it's just like my mood change or something. Or I was like, OK, this is just one too many right now for my brain to to dive deep into and i just like tune out and wait for the balloons to come back i think there's a really high risk high reward going on and maybe this is just my like uh you know i don't know my disposition but like with the with verbally describing music it just seems like such a, like if you fall on your face i feel like it's just always like pretty hard and it's very easy to do and I, I I got the sense throughout this that, and I don't I don't know a, a ton about Mackie. I watched a couple interviews and I saw him give a couple performances of poetry. Um, some of them just just him speaking, and then there was a couple that he did with like musical accompaniment that was sort of interesting. Um, but as far as I know, he himself is is not actually a musician. Um, I'm like maybe he it's like maybe he plays some instruments kind of like casually, uh, but he's not he's not to my knowledge a like a professional level 
musician, uh, but he just has this like deep appreciation. And I think that like, there's this sort of, like you said, Matt, this high wire act where he's trying to capture this thing that he has such a deep love for and a deep appreciation for, but, but, but lacks the sort of like, like you said, the transcendent preternatural ability to, to actually do, which is play music. Right. Via the thing that he does have the transcendent preternatural ability to do, which is manipulate language. And the saving grace is that I, I, you know, uh, he also is aware, I think of those potential failings and they just become themes. Like he just kind of re-envelops it because it's a very, uh, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I'm, go- I'm going to be tripping over my tongue on with this one a lot. It's, it's, yeah. You, you the dear listener, you're gonna have to bear with us because this book is just incredibly tough. It's tough. It was tough to read. It's gonna be tough to discuss and analyze. I think. Um, so we'll, we're, we're gonna do what we can. Um, I, I mean, but I think like the, it, it, to me, sort of getting back to that last point you made, Matt. Like in a lot of ways, the book is becomes more a book about language than about music yes i i I felt towards the end um and it becomes the sort of like you know theses on the classic sort of deconstructive position which is that there's an inevitable gulf between what we what what our sort of subjective experiences are and what we hope to express and and the uh, uh, sort of um, manifold of, uh, of means of expressing them available to us. And there's there's always going to be a gap there. And I think that Ma- that's something that Mackie is like working in and around and, and, and through both with music yeah. and language in the, in the book. I think that is on display pretty clearly towards the end when there's that interview between Dredge and a reporter. And he's basically trying to explain like, the experience kind of, of of the novel's point to to a reporter and he basically walks away with like you, you you're not really understanding what i'm saying yes um so i thought i thought of that interaction as basically just like trying to uh display what the book is doing so so i don't know if you have thoughts on that map but just for, for so people know dredge is essentially like this alter ego of the the letter writer n and it's like sort of like a sort of like a state that he enters into occasionally um at points throughout the book and he sometimes sort of writes these uh uh you know like hysterical letters in the dredge state and then apologizes for sending them in his next letter and dredge is dredge is like yeah uh uh some alter ego portion of of end, but also <laughs> Dredge starts to fracture into other creatures that he, uh, other entities that then try and like horrifically put themselves back together by the end. And they just create this like weird, like multi-limbed Frankenstein monster that keeps also ripping itself apart again. I don't know. Yes. It was very interesting. Like there's this colloquy at the very end, right after the, like uh, kind of right after that interview you were describing, Paul, where there's like this, state of the union almost within and psyche <laughs> like yeah i mean not to jump right to the end but it, it's kind of a book that doesn't necessarily need us to linearly go through anything which again i think is intentional sort of right on Matthew's right. part right but not only in this text but in the, in the entire work but yeah i mean i think you're 
you know, I think Paul's really onto something bringing up this interview portion. It's this, it's this essentially a dream that Ed is having sort of in the dredge state and he, he's being interviewed as dredge by the media about the record. And, um, he sort of just gets to this point where he's just like, I there's nothing we can say to each other anymore. And it's just this, it's this aporia, it's this, it's, this, it's this impasse of language where there's, they, they just sort of have to stop speaking, which I think is definitely significant. There's also like, I think there was a segment too where the interviewer said that the uh, the record hadn't sold any, they hadn't sold any, <laughs> I don't know. There, there were some actually like really funny moments throughout this too. Like, and that that was one of the funnier. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, Mackie definitely has a sense of humor. There's a sort of like very minor subplot between um, N and uh, Lambert, I think, who's one of the other members of the band, sort of about the relative merits of of brass and woodwind instruments in the in in jazz music. And there's like a lot of funny moments with them, sort of debating uh uh that question well it's brass and reed i'm sorry i'm sorry was woodwind an orchestral (laughs) orchestral thing i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) or even less like i just think of a flute or it's like something that doesn't have a reed in it that like vibrates to cause the sound that sounds that works Is for that me. Fucking, fuck. All right, give me one. You guys fill the Okay. Board. Well, I'm yeah. So this. clearly, like, we don't. We're we're lay people with respect to uh, music and specifically jazz music. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I I played the trombone for like six months. And did you really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I oh, I played the stand up bass for even less than that in like seventh, sixth grade or fifth grade. You know what, Gabe? I can go fuck myself. You're right. It's okay. one and the same. It's like they're a subset. In within woodwind. Well, so you weren't wrong. It was you were. It was just sort of like you were more right. Okay, it was just sort of like an (laughs) umbrella term. Take it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, you take it from me because I'm right. (laughs) You work for me. You work for me. You work for me. Uh, I'm the boss. So anyway, yeah. There's a there's a number of moments that are genuinely just just funny in the book. Uh, so there's definitely a sense of humor there it's not this it's not like like i think you i think you captured it right paul sort of at the beginning like it's something that um in in our description it may come off as sort of like hoity-toity and pretentious and i think matt is right that there are those sort of frustrating like pitchforky although like that even feels reductive but there's those like sort of, of frustra- frustrating like you know pretentious music writer moments here and there but i think overall it's like uh does does not fall into that trap too often for me of sort of like pretentiousness even especially if you take into account the like lang- the language that's used yeah i mean one one thing i was thinking about when i was reading this is like gabe you tweeted something a while ago that was like i think every book i read is a sequel to the last book i read <laughs> and i you know i was thinking about last Samurai i think it's a fruitful way much- to approach books <laughs> yeah but I, I was trying to think like while i was reading this like why this this has all the telltale signs of a book I would not like, <laughs> you know. It's <laughs> heavily, it's it's very wordy. It's very like you could. I mean, you can call it pretentious. It's talking about jazz in a very descriptive <laughs> way. Um, so I, I was trying to think like, why did I not like The Last Samurai that much, and why did I, why did I enjoy this? And I think you're right, Gabe. It's because 
maybe it's because he's so invested in one particular subject and he's clearly like a, a, a gifted link like linguist and he he knows this one subject so well that it becomes more of like you're you're reading some about someone's fascination with a subject and they're not really in it just to sound smart like he's genuinely interested in what he's writing and you get in you get invested in in the descriptions and he infects you're, you're you trying, with his enthusiasm yeah yeah exactly and i think with the last samurai i was just like uh we didn't have to talk about that but like th there is a, a, a difference between just name dropping for the sake of it and wanting to uh just explore a subject that you're super interested in I actually don't think it's a crazy comparison to call those two these two books, Last Samurai and this one, almost diametrically opposed. Say, say more about that, Matt. Just like we have a, a hyper-prescriptive, you know, teacher trying to, like, regarding language and, like, linguistic facility and, like, this kind of, like, rote system of learning to be kind of the best method of creating the perfect child who can then interact with the world because they know the rules and they and they have like esoteric knowledge and stuff. I don't know. It's just like, you're right. It's a much colder kind of book. It's a little more Anglo, <laughs> like just like, you know, I, I think it, it, it doesn't believe in what it says and there's a complication there, but this book is like imagistic and just kind of prose poetry. Like it, it, it is constantly subverting and rebuilding ideas. It's just way, it, the idea of somebody taking a fucking uh, J.S. Mills educational regiment seriously in something like this is like, <laughs> it's laughable. It's like the opposite of, of kind of what's even hoped for, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. I, I mean, the, the book is just so like, it, yeah, it, I think you're right, Matt, in the sense that like tonally, this book is the opposite of detached. It's the opposite of cold. It is, it is, so like in the like in the fucking intestines of its subject and like like just buried in the like warm blood of jazz and like this sort of a style of music and this this sort of orientation that it's it's impossible to sort of not feel that at some level i think well you, you... I, I think oh go ahead Matt. no you go i was gonna say i think this might be a good time to bring up the balloons because I feel like uh, that was a big part of the of the book for me that added this extra like cherry on top of something that was already super weird, and it became like so much weirder. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it's probably the one linear thing throughout the letters that kind of has like a story that builds upon itself. For but, for um, for me, that was part of what gave it that extra sort of boost in terms of like the scores we gave at the beginning. One of the things, there's like really two yeah. things for me that that gave it that extra like bump for me. And the balloon plot was was one of them because like, you know, it would be really sort of, it, it's, it would be one thing to just like write a formally interesting, uh, like in-depth analysis of jazz, which which is what Mackie could have done, but that's not what this is really. Um, because there are there are all these psychological elements, there are all these sort of like, excuse me, interpersonal elements, um, and then there's this whole subplot that starts really in the first letter of so 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 in the first letter the band is listening to a test pressing of the new album, um, and 
in one section, the bass solo starts. Um, and I guess we should just lay out the, the, the band members. So there's N who said Lambert, and then there's Aunt Nancy, uh, Jamila, Drenette, and Penguin. So there's what, six of them in total? Yeah. And um, so the, the bass solo comes on uh, and Aunt Nancy is the bass player. Um, which of course, like, and, and again, the linguistics and the sort of like, cause the other sort of angle for this book is that there's so much kind of like, you know, black history and like African kind of like resonance with music and, uh, aunt Nancy, obviously a sort of like allusion to Anansi, the spider and the yeah. whole sort of like, uh, uh, history of that character. Um, but so her bass solo comes on in the test pressing of the record and this balloon, <laughs> he just describes it as a balloon like like starts emanating from the from the vinyl as it's playing and it has this like like text message playing out it's funny because this this was you know i mean i guess this was published in 2008 so text messages were already a thing but it reminded me of like the way a text message actually looks on a phone with like a like a little tail and like text in a balloon floating right. up sort of and and uh it it, it evoked that image for me and it has these sort of cryptic ass messages and one that's what's one sort of loose plot throughout the book is the the appearance of these balloons both at live performances and um at, on on listenings of the vinyl sort of throughout the world and that's sort of where i was coming from was like the magical realism element because it's very bizarre it's very like almost eerie in some places and creepy i, I felt totally I and mean, i i think it 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 really like amplifies the the story to use that kind of literary device like uh to have that sort of you know dreamlike imagery pop up in something that's so you know theory based it it add that it added a huge level of just like intrigue to me and uh i i still don't totally know what the hell they are i mean i mean like what, what do you guys think they 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 uh are <laughs> or what do they what do they mean that's the thing, right? He doesn't have a. I don't think there's in the, in most of the threads going on here. It doesn't seem like Mackie's particularly interested in in having a final word on the the very ideas he's throwing up, like which means that yeah, you can't just give a summary. There's there's an entire world around every concept that he brings of like argument, counter argument, denial, like images and homonyms kind of resonating with each other. He's, I think he's just trying to create this kind of, cause there are repeated phrasings and things, you know, the, again, it's so hard because it's a, I, all I can think of is like, it's like jazz, Michael, like, just like, you know <laughs> what I mean? A bebop ba. it's the notes you don't play that are the most blah, blah, blah. So there is like yeah. a, almost, that's the other thing maybe that like, it's hard to avoid is there's almost a, a cliche with jazz as a genre culturally just as a, a bit of a, a, a joke in that kind of sense but you know this like network of recurring and re-emerging resonant images and stuff all kind of like cropping up but in new contexts and stuff to to create a, a sensation probably is more what this book is trying to do can i can i go to try to explain <laughs> what i think the uh the balloons are yeah, yeah please. dude because <laughs> that was like the the one thing i kept writing when I was taking notes, like, what are, what are they? What are they? What the fuck? I just what like the idea of your mean? notes just saying balloons, balloons, <laughs> yeah, balloons, balloons. <laughs> uh, uh, tower defense, balloons, tower defense, seven. Well, and then at a certain point, Meme. he like, he, he, he shortened it to B apostrophe loom. 
right that which is yeah. again going back to the the use of apostrophes in sort of like yeah. naming naming conventions well i might sound like a total idiot but i'm going to try to explain what i think they mean um i thought it was it was a uh, mackie trying to like visually show within the narrative <laughs> don't show me that visually show within the narrative like uh the experience you can get while you are listening or playing music and you know he's doing his his best to describe these live performances to the nitty-gritty detail but when when a balloon pops out of someone's trombone um that is that resonates with the reader more and maybe gives you the feeling of um what it's like to actually be playing or listening to the music in the way that he does so i, I thought of yeah that's I th what i was like immediately right though i feel like he questions it because the question immediately after the test pressing balloon is one of where did these words come from yes because aunt nancy isn't aunt nancy's like i didn't like outright mean that phrasing or set sequence of words when i played and uh it, that's never answered it's just kind of like where are they coming from and there's no there's no um uh, there's no predictability. There's no pattern to like, once the record is released, you know, they have, they get, th there's a, there's a section. And this is where I thought it was like interesting and, and almost eerie, but they get, there's like these reports coming in from like around the world. of like, okay, like, you know, we, we saw a balloon come out at this point in the record and someone else sees a balloon come out at another point and they have different words and there's no, like, there appears to be no regularity or pattern to like the appearance or content of, of the balloons. And it, it felt like a bit like, um, like, you know, talent agency kind of like just chasing the, chasing the, the tail of, of random trends. Uh, and those balloons are maybe in one sense are just the uncapturable spontaneous meanings that are still reductive and capturable in like a border of random people grouped up listening at certain times or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, that's sort of that to me that sounds like a, a a sort of a pessimistic way to read it but i do think it's true that that i think that part of what mackie's going for with the balloon what the balloons mean or what they represent is that sort of deconstructive kind of postmodern element like the the balloons are the the ineffable the sort of unpredictable uh remainder of meaning like the leftover it's 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 the thing that comes out of the gap between what is intended and what is heard, you know, what is said and what is understood. Like these, all of the, the, the sort of, the, the out of the difference between these things is where the balloons come. And as you said, like, it's not intended, it's not predictable, it's not patterned, but it's sort of contextual and kind of arises like, like of the, in and of the moment. Um, and I think that sort of, there's a, there's a point at some point in the, uh, in the novel when I think it, I think N is talking about sort of the records out there and we kind of can't control it anymore. Like we can't really control how people interact with it or who interacts with it or, or, or what. And that's like a, that's a fundamental kind of postmodern kind of deconstructive point. And I think the balloons are a sort of like way to drive that home that they sort of e erupt out of these gaps between the intended and the, and the understood um, musically and, and linguistically in the book itself, because we don't really know 
our understanding of the balloons will itself emerge out of the gap. Yes. But I think they can be, I think I'm just trying to say they can be multiple things at once. Like what you said, what I said, and then, uh, you know, other things as well, because there is a totally. point, you know, it's not just a, sometimes an unintended gap. Cause there's that r- random performance where like the people start dancing and slapping their knees and the balloons come out and it's like descriptions of uh, the, the, you know, dancers 69ing each other (laughs) they're like i fucking lick your cunt and she's like yes fucking suck your balls and like it's out and it's not and the band is like oh shit like we didn't it's not kind of the tone we were trying to go for here but it is in that instance in the book the balloons emerge out of an actual an actual response of meaning from the audience that's not necessarily correct, but then they jive with it and like re-envelop it into their performance. I think that's such an important example because exactly because of what you said, like in that moment, the band kind of almost reacts like negatively, like, oh, not only did we not intend this, like we don't like it. Like, yeah, you guys are being fucked up and weird. Y'all are fucking weird. (laughs) But (laughs) but like, again, they, they have to sort of respond organically and it just keeps... Yeah, I think that's a really, really important example. And like the band itself just seems like uh, a body, an organism of sorts that's like in constant tension and communication as well as a sort of microcosm of dissenting subjectivities that each still play a vital role in the functioning overall of like the creation of something perpetually new. Hey man, look. <laughs> I'm trying to. I, no, I yeah. I, Paul, do you do you have any thoughts about the band overall? Like the the, because one of the, that was one of the other things for me when I'm thinking about like how I get from the three like the high threes to the low fours in terms of score for me. That was one of the other things is like I really loved that there are these moments of just like in this high high theory like 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 psychological dreamscapey like whatever we still get these moments of just like very very simple humanity where people are like they get jealous of each other and there's like someone gets turned down for a date and like and like uh you know um there someone's they're insecure about how their record is doing and so they have a breakdown in a record shop and like there's like all of these like moments of like really really authentic humanity kind of like almost hidden behind all of that other stuff. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Like the two, the two moments I'm thinking of um, was when uh, aunt Nancy changed her name to aunt Nancy and it used to be Heidi. And uh, she changed it because she like was bullied as a kid and like never had like a connection with the name. I thought that was a weird little uh, segment that, you know, gave the band some humanity. And I also really liked the, uh, uh, like Fred, what he got like a new uh, piece to his instrument. Like, what is it called? The mouthpiece. Reed. Fred mouthpiece. was the Fred was the guy who made the mouthpieces, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And someone else who in the Lambert band got Lambert. One so Lambert and Lambert then got and, one and got one later. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, like Fred was like really late making it, and uh, but when when N finally gets it, it's just like this funny little moment talking about how it. I don't know there there were little moments like that that did ground their characters and or like 
like Lambert doesn't really like the mouthpiece. And then that chick Melanie that he's kind of like non-committally seeing, he's like, he doesn't know how he feels about her or whatever, but like he kind of is more into it than he wants to be. And then she sends him that like sexy letter. And suddenly he's like really good. He loves the mouthpiece. Yes, that was so funny. (laughs) That kind of thing. Like a a mundane kind of human moment uh, transmogrifying and like reverberating out. And Mackie takes those, those, yeah, exactly. And he takes those moments and like lets them, lets them be like that, lets them have their, their small space. But then they sort of like blossom in these insane ways into this sort of like, you know, theory and, and psychological, you know, all of these different sort of roots. And I, I think that's so fascinating. Can I say that uh, j- again? Because I, I do feel bad about the pitchfork comparison. It's pretty, it's a pretty brutal indictment. <laughs> get, get that coffee. <laughs> uh, what sets what sets it apart is uh, Mackie just clearly proving that whereas the pitchfork writer, right, the person who's like. The, the, the fucking shimmering topography of the of the blah 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 and you're just like shut the fuck up is that it's it's there to obscure a lack of of meaning right and uh with Mackie it's like even if he's like you just know he's there and he just means so much like he and that even if he is creating a sort of um inflated lack of meaning it's for the intention of like the balloon imagery or some other thing where he's like probably like you just feel like you're in you know you're in good hands yes that there's like a highly grounded and sophisticated approach to like even the parts of it that you know maybe i found frustrating or did not like like a good neighbor nathaniel mackie's there (laughs) (laughs) nat mac is there (laughs) nat mac yeah i think i think that uh if the needle drop read this book he would like instantly (laughs) quit and uh delete his youtube channel <laughs> if there if there's like, any I, uh if there are any uh 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 bi- bi- internet internet's busiest music nerds listening to this right now uh you can come on the pod whenever you want fantanos we call them because they're fans of his right oh i just i literally name? meant him himself oh, oh i'm sorry <laughs> i don't want any of his fans to come on this show jesus <laughs> yeah. christ yeah dude anthony we're trying to get we're trying to get melanated <laughs> um what was i gonna say I had, I had a point about this this pitchfork comparison too it's lost well i mean oh gone. just just like a bloviation versus uh oh i remember what it was i remember what it was it's it, it was it got me thinking about the very very end of the book and again we're sort of skipping and maybe we should talk about the significance of the ending sort of if we but if we're going to keep coming back to it but there are these sort of like moments that are like because Mackie also has this very kind of um sense of like fable and parable like this last one especially this last sort of postscript to the final letter reads like a you know, like a, like a medieval fable almost, mm-hmm. except set in, you know, modern days, there's like political rallies and stuff and whatever. Uh, and there are a couple other moments in the book like that. But the, the way that it ends is just like, I think so worth paying attention to. And 
is illuminating for, to me a little bit about the way Mackie uses language. So um, I'm just going to read it. It's so full spoilers. This is the last two paragraphs of the book. Um, and I think it's important for us to read from this book uh, like uh, yeah, as much as possible yeah. because it's really hard to get a sense of what he's doing without... Um, and this We'd is just be doing what he did with jazz ourselves with our vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so this is the the very end, and basically, that there's been this like psychological mind reading battle going on between these two political uh, characters that are involved in politics, and one of them is has to be at the um, the groundbreaking ceremony for a previously condemned and now being rebuilt hotel. Uh, which, you know, the, again, the, the, the layers of metaphor here are like so like in deep, like there's no, it's not, he's not talking about an actual hotel, but he is. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, the shovel was as iconic. It had already occurred to Jabot as the bullhorn he'd seen himself addressing the gathering through. He went on digging. The sharp edge of the shovel's blade was the lower lip of a saxophone's bell. The bell of Joe Henderson's jump the gun tenor. It was the lower lip of Hotel Didgeridoo's namesake axe, aboriginal brass, enunciative bell, apocalyptic blare. It was the lip of a conchqua cupping horn, conchqua revolutionary bugle. It was the harrowed charismatic edge of Winston Rodney's voice whose people get ready, Jabot heard urging him on, the analytic scalpel of a speech by Walter Rodney. It wasn't groundbreaking alone he was doing, it was grounding. The mound of dirt beside the hole grew taller and taller, but Jabot would rebuild not by going up, but by going down. He would dig and dig until he came out on the other side of the world, not the proverbial China, but a truly new world, or if not new, at least distant, far away, far over. And that's how the book ends. And I feel like it, that's sort of a description of what Mackie is doing with language. He's like, he's piling it on and on and on, but he's doing it to go through to something, to go to, mm -hmm. to get somewhere, you know? Yeah, and I think that some of the other books we've read, like uh, Sleep Has His House, I think kind of was trying to do, like kind of doing the same thing, just like piling thematically something on with language to get over to another side. And uh, burrowing also like pretty burrowing. Yeah, like Kavan kind of, I mean, she's doing it for reasons that are probably you a little like unidirectional and like potentially bad for herself but still burrowing like to hide essentially yeah i mean I, it's hard for me to classify this book in any other or like to really compare it to any other book we've read but it does it does like pile on language in a way that is uh really jarring and hard to read at some points but it is purposeful very purposeful purposeful but like proceed like processual what is the word like it's it's, it's kind of yeah yeah i know what you mean matt I, i'm you know which means that there's like processional there's, that's religious i don't know but still but he would love that though you know what i mean just kind of like right lumping okay. that all together base cathedral exactly he says churchical and chiliastic so much yeah <laughs> yeah which the the latter of which i had to look up like every time I saw it, because I would look it up and then forget what it means, and then have to look it up again. Right. Like, <laughs> Chilies. Um, I want yeah. my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> There's a. This is just some random thing I saw. I'd written down or uh, underlined, which is just it's the end of one of N's letters. Well, they're all let N's letters, but like, um, 
him going on this big dry diatribe about the balloons. And then he just says, it's, pecu- it's peculiar, though, to be defending or in the position of defending something we ourselves aren't without mixed feelings about. Any thoughts? And, like, that's another thing I think that feels a little bit more salient and, like, you know, if you're making, like, a big... If you had to make a big one of the... You know those fucking... They're super lame, those big word maps the uh, where it's, like, words and those big ones are the ones you use the most... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones. Like a fucking um yeah. What is that called? There's a there's like a there's like a business like like leadership term for it, but I forget what it's called. Yeah. I think they're called uh, concept maps, I think is what they're normally called. Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Just meant like some uh data visualization to show you which words you've you've used a lot. And uh yeah, I don't know. So like that concept and then like things like church and they'd be the big ones. Yeah. To reduce and it to some kind of like I, uh I think there's there's a lot of like um there's a lot of things like that there's a lot of conceptual kind of like themes that Mackie returns to over and over again that being one of them the other of course right like being sort of various musical themes and like very detailed technical things and the other one for me was like there were a lot of I don't know if you guys picked this up but I was literally looking up like every word that I didn't know and I was finding a lot of like medical terms like medical and biological terms that 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 he was using for various purposes some sort of literal and i just didn't know what the word meant and some that like seemed to not fit um and i don't i don't have a ton of i don't have an example offhand of of either of those but like i felt like it was again one of these moments where he's diving so deeply into jazz and the playing of jazz and music and like the connection between psychology and biology that he was like getting like legitimately like medical but like in a in a again like you said earlier Matt like in a non cold non-distant way right so intimate as to just want to be like essentially describing like an organism is the idea that keeps coming to mind like the body there's so many there's a lot of like various body parts get their kind of day in different chunks throughout the book like the mouth and the stomach and lip you know genitals like all that kind of stuff gets yes, kind of like yes. legs it, it, it all gets like these like treatments basically and and ultimately what it seems like you have is some sort of <laughs> uh composite body yeah it reminds me of uh what was that one segment about the man who had like two torsos and no head that's at the very that end. Part, that, yeah, that's in yeah. the end. That sort of like ending fable, and that again, getting back to Matt's point about the various, the various ways that like identity can fracture and then sort of like, like refuse in like unpredictable, bizarre ways. Like at one point, there's like, oh, uh, you do it. Read. We need more readings. I was just gonna read one of my favorite segments about uh, the balloons. Please. It's it's on one twenty eight. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, dear angel of angel of dust, I dreamt a balloon snuck up, up on me while I slept. It crept up in back of me and whispered, "Boo!" Part inflated ball, part friendly ghost. It tiptoed in the back of me, legless, footless, toeless, through, though it was, tiptoed and crooned ever so seductively. "Boo!" It's I can't read. It's insinuative boo, bordered on cooing, caressing the back of my ear like a lover's breath or a slowly blown kiss. "Boo!" was long sought liberation's new disguise. Uh, loves it inoculate. I can't read his fucking words. Inoculative boon and more. It might've been false alarms 
homeopathic vaccine. Boo took liberties and a bewitchment it sought to continue as well as contain. The readiness of the rightness I knew would eventually come. Fucking good. Weird. I, I, I had that paragraph highlighted also. That whole page is really fucking good, but the yeah. opening paragraph is crazy. He also does this thing where, and I think I, I heard it that happened in, in the chunk you just read of like being like, it was like this, but it wasn't. Yes. Like, that happens so much. He's like, it tiptoed. And it just trust me, it did. He doesn't have toes, but he tiptoed. Like, like the vibe, <laughs> you know? Yes. Or like, I said this, but I might as well have said this. I, I, I That phrase keeps happening a lot too in terms of like communication breakdown essentially but yeah like, right again yeah. that's the that's the deconstructive right like that's that 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 gap i think still again right like it did this but it didn't but i have to find a way to say what happened and so right. i'm just gonna like say this this self-awaredly flawed approximation well uh, the one of the funniest parts of the book we have to talk about is on, on 108 after a uh what is it dredge describes the balloons in a in a letter <laughs> yeah 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 and he ends up uh drawing a picture of of the balloon man <laughs> and uh it's like a full page drawing of this you have to buy this book just to look at this drawing it's the only drawing in the whole book and it's or, just like or you can subscribe to our uh patreon to see the video of this recording yeah, we don't, which we don't have yet we should it's no. it's actually the book's actually a picture book for Guga drooling babies and there's a there's a fun little cartoon character in the book. Yeah, there he is, B Loon. And it was a laugh out loud funny moment for me, but also creepy. I was like, wow, this is what people are seeing. This balloon man. Yeah, it's this weird like hybrid between because I also found that that chapter to be just hilarious because it's describing like very seriously, you know, this letter that they get from from uh, a listener, I think, who's describing the balloon or the the balloon, balloon. And uh, it, there's this drawing and it's like described as so seriously. And then when you look at it, it's so funny. It's just so that's, funny. That's what I was about to say is that it almost feels like a bit uh, like Mackie. I don't know. Like, yeah, he he's having a little fun there and kind of maybe poking fun at himself because it is like uh, you're reading a like a placard next to a piece of art. <laughs> And it's like yeah. so fucking involved. And then you look at a little squirt of paint on like a canvas and you're like, yeah. I, I, let me just read a stretch because I love that analogy, by the way, Matt, the, the, <laughs> the art versus the placard. And I think you're right. Mackie's having a, a bit of a go at it. So I want to, uh, I'm going to read just like this chunk that's like describing balloon. Cause yeah, this is the shit that then when you finally turn the page and get a look at the guy, it's like, it makes <laughs> it so much more funny because he's just like, <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see here those who've seen the figure evidently find themselves struck by a certain lack of polish a roughness or rudimentariness in the very body or to the very being of balloon that none of them the artist reported had failed to comment on it was as though they were said to have suggested its very crudeness or sketchiness its appearance of not being finished or filled out were the sign of a strain or a struggle to come into being a fraught unfinished harbinger of something not yet fully with us a sign of something yet to come the artist in a very real sense had drawn a sketch of a sketch i looked more closely at the sketch yes there was something oddly there but not yet there not all there 
an audacious wispiness, if not insubstantiality, <laughs> seen but seen but as yet unheard of, and exactly in the sense, quote, mute, an oddly unheard, unheard of, yet to be cashed in claim on eventuality, mute stereoptic agency rather than deaf diagrammatic receipt. I saw and felt I understood this or understood that is why the sketch had been labeled as it was. And then you turn to the sketch. And yeah. It's just a fucking like, like absolutely just like dumb cartoon of it's like a spear man. So funny. It's, it's so, <laughs> so funny. It's so difficult to describe. It just looks like this old guy with these like wispy hairs and this goofy yeah. smile. There's kind of a Burton Ernie like, thing going on. Yeah, it's very yeah, Burton Ernie. Potato man, rock man with floating eyebrows. <laughs> yes. Well, the uh, the description too is so funny. Mute stereoptic emanation colon balloon composite <laughs> sketch based on eyewitness accounts. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's that's hilarious. Like that's yeah, just it's funny. objectively funny. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what Beeloon is though. He's like the what the aggregation of all these other things we were describing the balloons as, or like he's like a creature that hangs out. So that's the that's one of the that's maybe the 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 more difficult or stranger question than like the nature of the balloons in general is that they evolve over time, right? It starts out as just these blank balloons, and then like with lines of text and stuff on them, and then it slowly comes to have this fucking face and like appearance which is like very very strange and it's yeah it's never it's never really resolved and i think that the question of the evolution of the balloon is maybe a a a weirder one doesn't he hang out with like one of uh dredge's alt uh, alt like shell alter egos of dredge too like balloon ends up hanging out and watching a set or something in the air. He's like floating in the air with like <laughs> the alter alter ego of the alter ego of N. And they're just talking right. about the record. It's um so yeah. so balloon be, so balloon kind of like merges with <laughs> uh with with jaboosh. Okay. Right? And they become and they become bull under right which is also really funny and is a sort of a there's a there's there's a letter earlier in the book where n is um talking about his reading of a book which is a real book Mm -hmm. i think um uh which is just called black thunder and i forget the author off the top of my head or maybe his maybe it's his i forget i forget um it might be a phrase stolen from the book out of i think it's stolen from the book about the haitian revolution Yes. So it's a, it's a book about the Haitian revolution and there's a, um, yeah. So then N takes this, that latches onto this phrase, black thunder, and then takes out the, the A-C-K-T-H and, and makes it blunder, mm-hmm. which, which is just funny. And then, uh, blunder becomes the amalgamation of jabouche, which is another sort of aspect or fragment of, of N's, identity and that fuses with balloon in his final sort of like final hallucinatory letter and then he's kind of this avatar i think loosely for like error and mistakes uh and their role and whether or not and like and like how whether or not they exist if reincorporated and these this like discourse around like 
mistakes and including them and are they really mistakes and all this kind of stuff and the possibility of change through mistake and that kind of thing. Right. And that I think for, yeah, no, I think so. And I think for Mackie, that's a historical question, right? That's a question about the role of blackness in, in the West and the sort of errors and mistakes that have been sort of committed in and around that, that sort of concept and in that register. And doesn't that also relate to jazz like directly also because like yes you know like jazz is just you can say that it's like a bunch of mistake notes (laughs) right at least a lot of people that listen to it but that's i think that's also a lot of how a lot of jazz is written i'm just i don't actually know well and there's a a process i think mackie at one point cites a i forget who said it um some some one of the famous jazz musicians there's so many by the way i think it was miles i think it might have been miles davis yeah if there's a if you want a a, a, like a like this book also sort of doubles or triples or quintuples as like just a reference book of obscure jazz names Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if you ever want to find some some interesting jazz records that you might not have heard of just pick this up and read it but he references that that sentiment yeah i think you're right matt i think it was miles davis someone as famous as that that where it's like we will we will have arrived at like the true jazz when people release recordings with with all of the mistakes included and i think the sort of character of of blunder is like intimately related to that sentiment but that that sentiment gets like yeah I, I, what i found interesting was just the uh at the again at the very tail end just the subversion of that with like but is a mistake you know incorporated uh in essence no longer a mistake because like there's no breakage from from a form it's impossible to like make such a mistake that you like do a paradigm shift um or you know at least in the form of jazz i don't know it just it becomes part of it and you you know there's all there's like just questions of like you know to use an exhaustive phrase like normalize or acclimate uh two mistakes on recordings because he he talks about that like moment i forget in which record where like someone kind of like biffs their solo and comes in a little too early and how that now has become indistinguishable with like the record itself and whether that means it's a mistake or you know yeah basically questioning that concept yeah i think that's really that's really smart so i i not not a flex i just happened to underline it but it's it's joe henderson starting his solo on andrew hill's track refuge on uh, an album called point of departure um, i mean i listened to i i, I straight i went and listened to some of me too I, I so did i i had it as on as a couple times I, while i was reading i wanted it on as a little soundtrack uh a lot of uh reference to coltrane I, he yep. got the mo- i think he got the most play uh coltrane and uh um fuck there's an extended section on um Dizzy Dizzy Gillespie with the cheeks, which is I think is interesting. Right. Fuck, there's one more dude who gets like the most talked upness. But who's to say that means he's more important rather than just somebody the characters are engaging with? Yeah. But I think you're really you're you're right on with that last section with the introduction specifically in this sort of the, this this character blunder and the and I mean and that that concept is introduced actually fairly early on, the sort of like abbreviation of black thunder to to blunder that's like in the first 50 pages or so and then he comes back as a sort of fully formed identity later on and that whole final kind of parable of the political debate fact like 
um, is sort of oriented around this guy coming in too early on his solo on a record. And it's like so fascinating. Yeah. Art Blakey is who I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Art Blakey's in there a lot. And I think you're right, Matt. Like this question of, uh, you know, what is the nature of a mistake? What is the nature of an error? What is the nature of a sort of, uh, of the gap? Again, this sort of gap that we've been talking about. Like if it, if it can be incorporated as you rightly point out and i think mackie's cl- pretty clear about that that's just part of the record now this like early solo entry is just part of the record and it's actually sort of people have analyzed it in and of itself and at that point is it a mistake is it if it is incorporable is it a mistake anymore is it so like how does that change our assessment of its value i think that's a really interesting question and which which just is like a, a seems like maybe the res- semi-resolution is just to rephrase the concept which is what Mackie is doing constantly in these weird like mashup words and stuff like he's trying to create he's trying to complicate yes all these like supposedly you know sort of more precise words and he's just constantly complicating language and like piling on more connotation to everything yes and I, I feel like I'm only talking about the balloons but I, I think the balloons can relate <laughs> to um, being a mistake too and like that is like a concept of or it could be a concept of a mistake and how especially how the the band uh reacts to the balloons during that one uh concert where everyone starts to have sex and stuff um (laughs) i you know this these balloons are like popping up but uh they don't necessarily want them to be there like we said Yes, but they are there, and the audience is reacting in the way that they're going to react. Um, yeah, I don't know. The interesting thing kind about seems kind of seems right. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I think that's I, yeah. You're right to talk about the balloons. The balloons are like a, one of the key kind elements. of they're very elements important. of the story. Well, I was I was because it made me think like the balloons are all serve like uh. You know, there's that whole question of like, are the balloons actually making us more popular than what we our music? <laughs> like, everyone's just kind of there to see if a balloon comes out of the a record or a, a right. an instrument. Um, which to me just feels a bit like, um, because okay, I'm gonna try and thread the, these together. Uh, there's those guys that are are trying to get all of this demographic information about who's buying the records at one point because it's like pre-internet, and I'm imagining he's commenting on that. As a, so that's I think the future penguin and Drenette, right are the people who keep going to the record stores to like find or is it Lambert I forget. I actually don't know yeah. but um you know as, as this kind of silly like goose chase that will be just a de facto reality in you know the early aughts and forward um but the balloons that's a really interesting that's an interesting point you know what I mean so and like so but like these balloons <laughs> It's like other uncapturable audience reactions and like this kind of false sense of uh, a pattern that you could, you are always trying to chase. And like the idea of the balloon also as like this thing that is kind of a a, a sideshow or like some sort of um, false distillation and distraction. And the fact that they are like literally a bubble, which is like, I think the the idea that is explicitly brought up in the book is like they're they're all surface tension. There's the words are captured in this thing that is supremely delicate and will explode at any moment. 
because it's 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 so like continent or uh, uh whatever like you know consistent and contingent on it's whatever immediacy yes yeah i think i mean if you can read it in so many different ways like if you're just an artistic person or some like a creative person i feel like you can you can think of the balloon as being any number of things depending on even like your level of fame like i don't know what I, I can't think of an artist that is like more famous for something that they don't necessarily want to be famous for, but you know what I mean? Like someone who has this Snooky thing about them, maybe Snooky, maybe Michael Jackson, <laughs> Harrison Ford. Yeah, true. Harrison Ford. Uh, or Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson hated Twilight. Yeah. The, yeah. Twilight is his balloon for sure. Right. <laughs> You yes, one could say yeah for sure. <laughs> what would what would Harrison Ford's balloon be? It's Han Solo. It. Han Solo. He does not really oh. like Han Solo. He was like, please kill the character, please. <laughs> please pop my balloon, pop him. Yeah, pop my head like a balloon in the movie. Just let him do it. Kylo pop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing the Orville Redenbacher guy just as Kylo Ren's face. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> anyway, go finish your thought, Paul. Or go back to your thought because I was curious to hear. It's like I, you know, you're someone who does art and are a creative person in a way that I'm certainly not, and Matt is to you know probably a different degree. But like, yeah, how did you view his sort of? Because this is like, I mean, this book is a book about so many things, right? It's among them yeah. is is the sort of creative process and the process of of engaging with your art while you're making it and after you've sort of like released it into the world. So how did you find that, that connection? Well, I wasn't necessarily thinking about it in terms of how I viewed it. I was, I was thinking about it in, in terms of like other books we've read that like, I was thinking of universal harvester a lot and how we, we think like the general message of that book, we actually like, we actually ended up having like a better view, I think than what the author intended of that book. And uh, <laughs> we we bring be, we be harsh. We bring books up on the spine crackers. We don't bring them down. That's true. I'm sorry, but um, no, I'm saying I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but yeah, I just I I thought it 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 just relates to like how you can try be saying something as an artist or a writer, but there's something that could be way more like vivid that other people are gri like gripping onto. That wasn't your intent, but how does that relate to what you made? Like it, that balloon wouldn't have popped up if they didn't make this jazz band, you know? So like, does that take away from your creative process or the, the meaning you get from making it? If something else happens due to it that you don't necessarily like or agree with, like, I don't know. I was thinking about thinking about that. Yeah, the, the um the the weight with which one should regard the creator i guess you know the kind of artist is dead perpetual debate um i was thinking about again just speaking of pitchfork uh i was thinking about uh john mouse for some reason be just based on how how uh like that's actually a good thing yeah you know what I mean? Like ahead, how, how, how theory based his conception of what he's doing is and how rigorous yeah. 
approaches his art and then like what that is in reality and then how people also receive it it's like you know he's like i the 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 concept of like the hysterical body and like the presence of of the other like in a bounded space using the uh fucking lingua franca of pop music etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like it's like damn dude like and then it's just like your pets are gonna die and there's like a yeah. drum beat behind it and so th- yeah, I don't know what I have to say about that. It's just well, and then call me call me a shit lib if if you have to. But and then he I will goes to a Trump rally on top of that. Like like that. I feel like that has to factor in somehow. Like you're fucking wine mom. I know, I know, I'm wine mom. I know, I'm fucking <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, uh, Pete Buttigieg. I I just my I think about Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg having sex every night. And uh, <laughs> I just uh, think John Mouse. He wishes that balloon would be popped. You know that particular balloon are you out of existence what the trump rally yeah (laughs) yeah but but matt what i was gonna say is i i've also like listened to interviews with him and read a couple articles that he's written about his music and you're totally on point it's just like he's over describing it in a really like he's a i think he's a musical theorist right He's a, yeah, I don't know if he is or not, but like the actual experience you get listening to his music is like very different than than what you just read, at least in my experience. So well, he's a PhD right, he's in political like, theory or uh, yeah. science. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, yeah. From like, where? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii, a school I think in it's Hawaii? like, yeah, University of Hawaii, I think. Mm-hmm. Not in the in the bottom 50. Or bottom, what, or the what is it called? Bottom forty-eight, lower forty-eight, lower forty. Like uh, all, that's all, what, it's the conti- it's, it's a contiguous United States. Yeah, yeah oh. if you're in Alaska, it's the lower forty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> do they call it? Do they fucking call it the upper forty-eight in Hawaii? It's not even really upper, no, right? It's just like right. No, it's it just to be, the right. It should be the. <laughs> it's the right shot. <laughs> it's to the. It's that way, forty-eight. Straight on into the ocean. <laughs> So yeah, I don't have more. I don't have an elaboration on that. It's just, uh, like, I guess it's just subjective in a way. I, I, I don't fucking. I hate this. Uh, how 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 much that is important to you, and therefore, in a way, it's still kind of like weighted more towards the audience, you know. But, but I, I think there's something I mean- to be said for like uh, the the individual uh, and their intent, and you not meeting. Uh, people who are doing something like more complex than you can deal with, which is something, which is something that like I would regard Mackie's work as doing right now. So, well, and yeah. there's, I, and he does, like you said, Matt, like, or like you said a couple times, he's so self-aware of all that stuff. And his, his description of these characters, these two characters, I, I, I think it's, it's Penguin and Drenette because those are the ones who are in this like weird on and on again, off again, like, will they, won't they sort of relationship thing, which right. again, I love that. I just love the, like, there is this this unshakable rock of like base humanity to this whole story. Like, are they gonna have sex? Are they gonna not? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, she turned me down for a date. Like, whatever. I love that. I love that. But there is that sort of insecurity about the they 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 go into the record stores and are essentially kicked out for harassment at one point for like trying to nail down this poor record store worker like uh can you give us a list of the race and age and like what time everyone who bought our (laughs) record bought our record at and it's this like this like overwrought insecurity on the part of creatives about the their output 
um, that I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. I have another piece I want to read. Sure. Okay. Um, And this is apropos of nothing except sort of my own fascination with the way Mackie is dealing with sort of like deconstructive postmodernism. Because there's a Derrida reference in here, and I'm going to read the whole thing and come back to it. I think Ooh, if, my, if, if my if my if, if my dates are off, then I'm going to look like an absolute fucking doof, doofus. But I'm pretty doof sure. Um, Listen, you can't win if you don't play. You can't win if you don't play. That's right. Okay, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, so okay, so this is uh, if you have the physical copy, it's on 37. Um, it's just that that letter that's uh, dateless. Which again is a funny play on this drama of of one of the the band members being turned down for a date, and then hence, <laughs> yes. henceforth the letters were were dateless. <laughs> yes, just just sometimes just like joyous wordplay. No, yes, no, exactly. No theoretical grounding per se. Just hilarious, funny. Just yeah, exactly. Just playful and joyous. Yeah. So it says, "Dear Angel of Dust." <clears throat> Excuse me, Tim Heidecker. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Dear Angel of Dust, there are stretches of time that seem outside of time. This is one of them. It has to do with the seasonality, countered expectations of seasonality, the not only normal departure of LA weather from the wintry scenes associated with Christmas, but the more than normal departure we've been experiencing the past two days. It's been unseasonably sunny and unseasonably hot, even by local standards. Temperatures in the 90s, the sky all but without smog. Uh, There having been enough wind, if that's what it takes, or enough, if not, of whatever it takes to blow most of what there was out of of it away. Like, the, okay, what a sentence. Just like, fuck. Um, now, though, there's no longer wind or even an inkling of wind. The air eerily, ominously unmoving. It's what, especially farther north, they call earthquake weather. The air and the sky have a burning bright but oddly muted intensity to them as though their apparent forthrightness were no more than apparent, deceptively clear. This makes for an even greater sense of displacement or dislocation of things being out of joint, multiply out of joint. It's as though we were not only out of step with the season, our own as well as the holiday season, but had migrated north, if not stepped outside of time, seasonality altogether. In the latter respect, it's as though we'd migrated south or been visited by a region farther south, unexpectedly hosted a Mesoamerican visitation It's as though, that is, the five leftover days at the end of the Mayan year, the five dangling or dateless or stray, orphaned or unlucky rogue days at the end of the year that are not really, in a sense, a part of the year, a part of time, had arrived early, ahead of themselves, ahead of time, landing us outside of time. Everything's odd, a bit off, curiously shadowed by syncopations, not of time so much as of brightness, light, as though brightness or light turned its head or turned around to inspect itself, turned to catch a glimpse of itself, catch itself off guard. Brightness or light possessed of a darkling wish wants not only to enable sight, but to see itself so enabled, more than simply conditioning sight. In so doing, short of doing, wishing, it induces a waver, a wrinkle, a fold in the accoutrement of sight, which even so induced shears or shades over into undoing. Um, So, I mean, I think, right, like, obviously, we could reread that paragraph like a dozen times and and come up with something new each time. And I think it's a good one to sort of illustrate what Mackie does with language, these fucking, like, gymnastic, like, forward forward and backflips. Like, okay, here's, here's, this is going to be a weird analogy, and maybe no one's going to make, like, no one, it's not gonna make sense to anybody. But to me, Mackie feels like 
like fucking does anyone know who rodney mullen you guys know rodney mullen he was a skateboarder yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and he does these like crazy flatland tricks where he he does he never jumps he never like even leaves the ground but he does these insane like physics-based balancing and like twisting back and forth tricks like they're, they're called it's called flatland skateboarding flatland tricks what mackie's doing in a passage like that feels like what rodney mullen is doing on a skateboard to me um does that does that analogy make sense to you guys i think that works perfectly so okay. it's like yeah. it's all grounded but like beautiful yes. and and almost like physics bending yes exactly um so but anyway the reason that i wanted to read that passage specifically was um about halfway through where he references this the sense of time being out of joint, the, of things being out of joint, being multiply out of joint. And then he references the Mayan calendar and that, and that sort of stuff. Um, so th- the idea of time being out of joint is the jumping off point for Derrida's text from the 90s, Spectres of Marx. And of course, it's a, it's a line from Hamlet. Um, and Derrida uses it as a sort of like jumping off point to talk about sort of historicity and memory and like, again, this sort of feeling of being, there, there being a gap of our historical understanding and our of our own sense of our place in time. And I just, I, I felt that it was relevant that Mackie specifically uses that phrase twice. Like um, this makes for an even greater sense of displacement or dislocation of things being out of joint, multiply out of joint. Like, so he's just sort of t- taking Derrida's claim and like doing the thing like doing the sort of fractalization of even the claim itself linguistically although to be fair i don't really know the concept that derrida is talking about to like get the complication of it i would say yeah i don't know if you want to explain that a little further i mean not really i literally haven't read it (laughs) i i I honestly haven't read (laughs) I, i have read it but i haven't read it in years um i i i can't say a ton more about it than i just did but the phrase like the time is out of joint is something that Derrida centers his discussion in Spectres of Marx around. And it seems as though, you know, Derrida being one of the central figures of like sort of deconstructive postmodernism and right. this kind of gap between experience and expression and language. Um, I, it just seems significant that, that, that Mackie was playing around with that phrase even a little bit here. Yeah, he he really there's 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 textual references to like again more uh theory based like texts it seems but and the only time he name drops is is jazz musicians or like authors like other like just prose authors or whatever like he he pretty much avoids and like even even I mean there's like the lightest touch on even anything overtly political like I think there's a reference to like, uh, uh, you know, there's a reference to liberation and like jails and you know, uh, right, you know that that kind of like reference to the, a book about the Haitian Revolution. But I don't know. I don't know if it, you felt the same way. Maybe I was just not picking up on all the signifiers. But it was like, uh, it was about this kind of liberatory, complicating of your reality and and how how people can really, I don't know. Uh, through mistakes and differences and like th- their their function as a whole like achieve something new and like what that means and that it's a process etc but yeah there's not there wasn't a lot of like heavily connotated political language in the in the 
stereotypical sense or something. No, I think you're totally right. And I'm curious to hear what Paul thinks about both this and the name dropping, because you're right that like thinking about, you know, because you sort of started out this discussion, Paul, being like, I was trying to think about why I liked this book more than I liked, you know, Disapasio or or, um, uh, Last Samurai or some of the other books that we've read that were sort of like, this phrase name dropping has come up a, a couple times and yeah Mackie, Mackie, and think- Mackie does name drop but it's mostly jazz musicians and records and whatever so like for for such a densely theory heavy book there's almost no explicit reference to philosophy or theory or or politics and I think you're right Matt like it's very gentle and it it fits in the narrative if that's what we can call it like because the reference to the Haitian Revolution book is because one of the characters read the book it's not just because Mackie <laughs> yeah. is bringing up the Haitian Revolution for no reason so yeah yeah I mean I, I I keep think I've been thinking about like that question that I brought up in the beginning during this discussion I think like what Matt you just said it's like th- these are like the Derrida reference it's like it's in there but you have to know what that is in order to grasp it and to me that's like not it's not flashy like i didn't find the book flashy in any way maybe maybe because of like the lack of direct name drops but i i in, in another sense though i thought that uh i just knew that mac mackie is just like a hyper intelligent man and i was kind of reading this as like a like a marvel of sorts like wow this guy's just like super smart and i appreciate just who he is as a writer and what he knows is like what's in his head is gonna it's always gonna be way more than what's in my head at any given time <laughs> oh come on um, but uh, come on but i didn't but i <laughs> what's in my head normally on a day-to-day basis Let's in your heart, am, am I heart. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot. That's what's in my head. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think I appreciated the the lack of like Coomer. Paul. Like I'm just I, I'm just saying this because I'm a smart person. It's more just like I am a smart person. I'm writing a book, but it's like it's about the art that's I'm that's in this book that I'm writing about. And that's what I'm fascinated in. Is like I'm not trying to just show my intellect. It's gonna come out anyway. <laughs> I think that's that's how I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a helpful distinction and it it helps me I don't necessarily like agree in the sense that it like, doesn't necessarily change my view of some of these other books but like I think you're right in the sense that tonally like this book is not it's clearly not like a showcase for Mackie. He's like it's more of like in this obsessional fucking fascination with jazz and performance and like and he's he he's you can feel him kind of grappling with like again to go back to this sort of gap metaphor like the gap between what he's good at and what he knows the best jazz musicians are good at and like yeah. trying to fucking like claw his way to it through language in a way that is like probably ultimately impossible yeah it is interesting an exercise like this uh where he's found this angle through an entirely other art form in a different medium. Uh, but it's like to him, it's somehow linguistically uh, and kind of like uh, symbolically and all this kind of stuff, like metaphorically, uh, uh, like 
he seems to regard it as like the the perfect the closest he's going to get to describing some ideal in his head or process uh yeah so there is this tension and 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 there is an, a weird almost funny maybe sense that he's like yeah i'm kind of i'm hanging out with a lot of jazz musicians i love this thing that i cannot do yeah. Well, I think I, I I mean I was thinking like it, there's certainly a comedic angle to it, but it's also tragic in a way where it's like he he's 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 it's it's Sisyphean, right? Like he's trying to to do jazz in language, and there's always and again I'm I'm harping at this point, but this is also the deconstructive point, like the task of trying to bridge the gap between thought and expressive power is never ending like there's no it's 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 constantly falling away as you build it beneath your feet and i feel like mackie is sort of walking us through his experience of that trying to get from written language to jazz if that makes sense yeah i'm I mean, so curious needle, needle drop you're not gonna ever be in reflective <laughs> yeah i'm sorry av tear is not returning your phone calls <laughs> Uh, it I, it makes me so curious as to like what any of the prior books were about. What this new, the one after this, you said there was something else published. Uh, I think it's called the uh, Late Arcade. Is the most recent entry. It makes me wonder because like this felt in a way to kind of and again this might just be the the modular thing or I think uh I was thinking of a. Uh, because part of the balloon imagery there was like this whole thing about foam foam and champagne and like fine bubbles creating what almost looks like a different substance than bubbles and all this kind of stuff and i think there was a little doff of the cap to indra's net which is like this this uh celestial uh woven beadwork created by you know this deity in which every bead contains every other bead in image and like that's maybe what it feels like he might be trying to do with novels. Like each novel contains its own, uh, I don't know, attempt at encapsulating like fucking human endeavor, like as a whole almost. Uh, and I'm just curious to see like how he would riff on that in different ways or like what that is like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, this feels so dense and in all encompassing in a lot of ways it's like, what do you do? And then what do you do? You know, I don't know. What's the band doing next? No, I fucking like that. What do you do? And then what do you do? Right. Like, I think that's fucking, that's the vibe. Like, uh, and I think uh, you're right. I mean, one of the things talking about the, I, I'm not familiar with the Indra's net um, reference, uh, but, but, and maybe, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but one of the things we have not talked about is the sort of like, hallucinatory dredge states where he he goes he has these like attacks from like conch shells where like shells are like growing out of his head and have yeah. to be like removed and he's laying he starts out laying as just like a disembodied head on a beach well it's cowrie shells cowrie shells i'm sorry right yeah which have a slave connotation a connotation with slavery that i'm gonna yes right now <laughs> yes yes um 
So, okay. So while you're looking that up, I'll read a section from one of the, one of the um, earlier references to this. The, it, and the reason you, it, I thought of it, Matt, because when you were talking about the sea foam, it occurs in a lot of those, the, those references occur sort of adjacent to each other pretty similar uh, often. So, and this is in one of the letters that is written in the dredge state. It's signed by dredge and that's how those are sort of signified. My head lay in the sand looking up Jamila's dress blinded by her anachronistic petticoats and pantalets, able to see only a bit of her legs well below the knee, squinting as though it were sun it saw nonetheless. The sun it presumably saw blacked out the sky. What it looked up into was an occult star-studded night sky in the remote petticoated reaches of intergalactic space. The stars were white, stirred up water, shaken and spun by petticoat epiphany. Petticoated lift and petticoated allure suddenly posed as cosmic froth, infinitely fine bubbled sea foam, champagne froth on a Brazilian beach. Cosmic froth was as close to an armless, legless, trunkless head stranded in the sand would ever come to petticoat sachet. The all but tangible proximity of what, even if I had not been armless and handless, even if it had been available to touch, would have been no more retainable as itself than, than sea foam anyway. <laughs> And again, that gets back to another point you made, Matt, that linguistically it's this, it's this, this, but not this. It's like, even if it's like, I don't have arms, but even if I did, you know what I mean? It's like this whole, like, like, yes, like if, but, but not. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that whole uh, section with that you just read from was, there was a lot brought up in a very short amount of time, but it made me think of like, like the, the sea foam was like, sort of primordial like a primordial substance that he was like struggling and tackling with and thinking about yes yeah he talks about botticelli right and the whole like the birth of what aphrodite uh yep through the sea foam or something like that again kind of kind of out on a, a limb here with grasping at not as much information as i probably should but yeah something about primordial birth is right yeah because I think the cowrie shells, I mean, I'm not going to venture to like really go deep on this, but like I just looked them up. It looks like they're part of divination processes and uh, have symbolic resonances as like healing emblems. Um, and uh, some in some cultures, it seems like they were about sea worship as a life source and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I wanted to read one chunk. Please. Just, uh, just kind of chosen at random, but I just thought it was really evocative. Uh this is while this is during one of their this is during the the live set description that I liked. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, it seemed after a while for all its rapaciousness and rant to further entrench a supposedly cosmic status quo subsidiarily consecrate the fallen hammer or the hammer's fall it railed against. Jurnette's ping was a corroborating witness, a repetitive toll, a monotonous marking of time, a corroborating but mercifully one thought complicating witness it spoke of abject alienating duration while the very manner of its production seemed intent on underscoring strike a word whose liberatory or would be liberatory meaning was not to be easily muffled or dismissed endless imprisonment as unguaranteed as utopic windfall sticks tip struck symbol the way hammer's head struck anvil a mixed emotional report auguring more than one outcome or consequence and i like again just kind of like it's the, the uh, uh, meaning, it's negation, them twinned, not to use another word, but dialectical. 
Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right? that's totally appropriate. Yeah. Um Yeah, r- really like putting you in just a state of not having an answer but feeling I guess the classic of like a uh, notion of of um wisdom or genius or n- genius is again loaded through last samurai but like holding two opposing opinions at once being a state of that you know one needs to if you're going to like exist and have have wisdom two plus two equals five literate literature <laughs> quote quote of the day two plus two does <laughs> equal five that's fucking fact two plus two equals literature <laughs> two plus two equals literature <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I, well, one I, thing I, one thing I wanted to uh, I'm sorry no yeah. no no go ahead no no finish, go ahead. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was just like a, a funny overall theme that I took away from it is that like he Mackie's like struggling and the character of N is just like you know I got the sense that he was in you know some sort of dark state especially because he has like these alter egos that are going through a lot of like very uh uh, tough times i guess i would say just hard times mm-hmm. but you know there's this general sense of almost like doom and gloom throughout his psyche i would say but nothing like that bad really happens like everything's kind of like his fascination with jazz is so in-depth it it just comes across as like a little comical to me that this like artist guy is just so enthralled with his art and he's struggling, but nothing's like really horrible in his life. I mean, you don't you don't really get that much of a sense of what his day to day life is. But yeah, you, you, I don't know. I was reading it kind of like you're, you're reading the strange psyche, uh, letters of a strange, you know, trumpet player. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was it was it was just funny to me. I don't know, like the the dichotomy between like nothing being that bad but also just having these incredibly articulate, deep thoughts mixed with uh, dreamlike elements. <laughs> That's true. You bring up a good point. You don't really like, I never really, I, I sort of lost sight of uh, on occasion, the, uh, I don't know, the material, material reality of these musicians. Like, you know, like you said, like, is anything really that bad? It is somewhat comical. I think just to see an artist engaging this, like just being this, I mean, it's, it's comical and not right. It's, it's again, to go with the themes of the book, like you want somebody to fucking be an artist and take this shit seriously. But like, also he's taking it seriously. Like he's got, yeah. he's got cowrie shells popping out of his head and he's developing multiple personalities and like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's because he's only emoting and expressing to us via angel of dust as like the invisible interlocutor that like maybe we're getting more than we would mean to and he'd seem like a pretty mild dude if we like just met him like in you know in the studio or something he'd just be boring yeah <laughs> well, I think, I can, go ahead paul i was thinking uh, of one of our good friends in the way that he ends yes, up sir. talking about certain subjects in his life are you talking about you, I'm, i won't say his name but the, the one who was recently active on instagram Yes, okay. that friend. Um, but I was thinking a, a little bit about that friend mm-hmm. and how, you know, these kind of pretzels form in, in an artist's mind 
but yeah if you just maybe met n you'd be like oh hey he's like oh yeah i play the trumpet yeah i like it you know i like it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's such a good like i definitely agree with matt i think that's a really interesting point and that's that was the one thing that that was where for me again getting back to the score like that was the one thing i wish there was a little bit more of a little bit more of those like moments of them freaking out in the record store moments of them being like turned down for dates or whatever because i felt like those moments were so grounding and so effective at bringing you back to that thing that the rest of the book kind of like let you forget and i just felt like I wanted both, but I just, I, I, I might have tweaked the balance between the two a little bit, if that makes sense. The critique I would have is that, yeah, you just, you, you spend more time, way a little too much time, if I had to say, in these kind of like, in the thin air. And specifically um, in, in N's head. Yes, yeah. And like, even, even the little bits of interpersonal rapport and relationships they have, I was most struck by Paul just describing the fact that, yeah, I don't actually know like what their fucking apartment might look like, or like, are they monetarily successful? I think these things are important in the, in a book that's dealing with what I think it's dealing with. Yeah, totally. And I mean, and it makes me like, one of my favorite letters, one of my favorite sort of sections of the book overall is when N is sort of in the first part of the letter describing it's before it's 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 in the same letter as one of the extended descriptions of a performance this may have been the one you didn't like matt yeah um but it's the beginning because most of these letters are very short they're like two pages three pages and then there's three or four that are like 10 or 12 and then the last one's like 20 um but it's it's one of the, it's the second or i don't know if it's the second but it's one of the other extended descriptions of a performance but it begins, um, and this is on page, uh, sorry, I dog-eared it, so I got it unfold, 131. And it begins, my mother and everyone else in my family insist it never happened, or so maybe it was a dream, or maybe it's something I hallucinated that time I had a serious fever when I was four. And he just goes on to describe this, this bizarre experience of being on a stage and having a dude in a tuxedo like pour water through his brain, basically. <laughs> right, and like, like a magic trick. Yeah, it's like a magic trick. And I, I thought, like, again, that was one of those, like, very small but very, like, weighty and juicy, like, like glimpses into the, the mundane, the normal sort of life. Again, it's sort of like a magical, realist way of doing it. But it's like, here's the thing that sort of, I always think about because it's a weird dream that I've had since I was a kid or, or I think it might've happened, but my family says it didn't. <laughs> and, and I, 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 I did wish for a few more of those moments. Yes. Yeah. A little, a, a, a touch more on the grounded level of things yes. or by grounded, we mean even, even a dream. That's just a little right. bit more mundane. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think that the format Mackie took though, in writing, the story like only through letters it, it limits that capacity though and i think he he did that on purpose i i, I mean obviously but it does it, it leaves a lot up to like speculation and wonder um but yeah i don't know i i was kind of thinking like why do you why do you think he did it in that in in this format like why not why not make it a little more is a little more linear well okay so i was gonna what i was gonna say is i had the sort of op well not the opposite reaction but i think the letter format actually grants like a, a really important degree of freedom um because you can describe 
like there's a lot of ways to write a letter, right? You can just, it's, it's different than say a journal entry, right? Like you, or you could just say, Hey, here's what happened today. Um, or, or it can be sort of like pragmatic. Hey, um, I sent you this tape. Have you listened to it yet? Can you give me your feedback? Which some of the letters in the book are basically that it's like a, it's like half a page that is like, Oh, haven't heard from you in a while. What did you think about the latest demo or whatever? Right. Um, or it can be these long extended sort of reveries where it's like, here's just a fucking me, you know, pooping out my fucking internal life for the last week or whatever onto you. Um, and I also think it presents an opportunity for a lot of humor too, because a lot of the letters, I found the endings so funny because they would just be like, sometimes like this, like I said, this extended sort of reverie or like this, like insane, like, not insane, but this very detailed, like dream life thing. And he'd be like, at the end, it would just be like, I'm including a copy of our most recent tape. Let me know what you think best. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah. so funny. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. So I think the, well, I, it, I, I think the structure was both, you know, helped the uh, open up avenues for expression and also like for sort of humor and, and lightness maybe. Yeah. But it, 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 uh, it because you get the sense that he has a very good rapport with whoever angel of dust is you know they're speaking in a way that is you know a friendship so they're they're he, he's talking to a friend who obviously is probably interested in jazz the same way he is maybe another musician or something um so there's a lot that they probably don't even care to talk about with each other i don't know i i i found myself thinking about the relationship between angel of dust and also thinking like what i kind of wish that his letters were there too you know but that's part of the fascination i had with the book too is that like basically the whole you're, you're only seeing one side of the conversation obviously yep. and uh maybe angel of dust letters are equally insane or more so i think it's very i think that is like yet another layer of the same basic message of like you know, I'm 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 just gonna assume it's mostly a stand-in for you, the reader. These are communi communications to you, and therefore it's like the final, not the final, but like one of the many ways in which uh, there's a demonstration of this uh, gap in communication and the way in which like every person who's reading the book is receiving a different, somewhat different transmission, and that that's part of the themes. You know, like yes, everyone's gonna read it differently and that this one unified and you know art, art object this novel is still creating multiple balloons of people's like coming from like readers heads i think that the, that way you put it is so important matt like it's it's such a literal it's it's a performative demonstration in the reading you're sort of engaging with mackie's point right you are receiving and retransmitting it like in sort of manifold ways and differently we all did it differently anyone else who reads this book will do it differently and i think that that sort of like performative invitation to invite you to be a participant in what's happening in the book like we're reading the letters and like there's no responses and what our experience is the response essentially right and what's more interesting to me now is got what is this that we're doing like are we are, are are we like 
uh, reconstituting it through multiple perspectives to create something that's more unified, or are we just further complicating it in this kind of like fractal fucking Sierpinski gasket of perspectives? Yeah, we should. Yeah, uh, basically, we should stop. We should. We shouldn't have read it. (laughs) This book was was written just to be written and not read. We should never have read it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a creepy (laughs) pasta book. It's gonna infect everybody. (laughs) Well, speaking of speaking of creepy pasta, it's the ring. Speaking of creepypasta, that segment where he talks about the tall guy in the tuxedo, I was like, did Mackie invent Slenderman? Because <laughs> that that was the picture I had in my head. And then he put a top hat on, and I was like, hmm, Haunting of Hill House. It is a creepy, so think, it is a creepy section. Yeah. And that Haunting of Hill House but, character, he looks like he could play like a trumpet or something. Oh, definitely. You know? Definitely. That guy could have been in a weird jazz band. Totally. Maybe like a Star Wars jazz band, a jizz band. <laughs> yes. What is what is Mackie's stance on jizz? The music. Well, no, he. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, I don't think I'll be able to find it now. <laughs> no but, way are you gonna find a Star Wars jizz thing in there. No, no, no. It's not a Star Wars jizz thing, but he <laughs> okay. does. He does play around with the word jazz. Like at one point, he talks about. He uses the term like jazz, like J A S S or something. Like there's right. a couple moments like that where he's messing around with just the, the the letters in the word isn't jazz. there a sexual root to it as well the same way that like rock and roll is basically just fucking like isn't there some sort of to jazz tripping? is that i yeah, don't i don't i don't know hmm. anyway i wouldn't be surprised jizz jizz for instance jizz <laughs> <laughs> um figuring uh, dan you know <laughs> call yes. me fingering dan fingering the instrument all this kind of stuff yes the modal nodes baby <laughs> modal Mackie Mackie his books are modal nodes facts jizz. Mackie's books are modal nodes jizz Star Wars jizz Star Wars we always relate it back to George Lucas <laughs> and his wonderful creation well I mean it's Glory. like poetry it rhymes right it's like poetry it rhymes it's like poetry it rhymes baby oh my god <laughs> uh, man you, this one this one wore me out a bit yeah, any any final thoughts before we exit to our uh, our off-ramp segment? I did want to bring up um the mag- like more of the magical realism and how like I think this is a book that ha- like did it this in in a very strong way. Mm. And I I was trying to gra- grapple with like why I why does that work for me and why does it work in general? It, I mean, to me to me it it, it can it's it's almost like a wrench being thrown into like a, a typical linear story that brings out certain elements that relate to the themes of the overall story, but they it's you know it's very fucking weird, and that's one reason why like Mirakami Mirakami does it really well because his books are like really linear linear and kind of dry, but then they're big jazz know, fan too. Inter- yes, mm. there's a lot of jazz. Then the- I'm, spoiler alert: I'm reading. Killing Commendatory now, which we're going to be reviewing in a couple months. But I'm reading it. I'm reading it very uh, slowly, and there's a lot of jazz references so far. There's a lot of car talk in that too. (laughs) Have you gotten to the car talk? A lot of click and clack. Click and clack are actually the main characters. (laughs) (laughs) So your your carburetor is fucked up. That he wouldn't say that on Clear Channel Radio, but it's kind of true though. That'd be a good meme for that episode. The two main characters are basically click and clack. But I mean, yeah, I just, uh, uh, 
I don't know. I just wanted to say that in general. It's like I thought the magical realism elements were very strong and very just beautiful and worked well as an interjection in, in this story that is very like theory heavy. Uh, it was a good, I don't know, good con contrast, like highlights of contrast for me. Yep. Well, in, in the same vein, actually, because like in the way this, why you say uh, magical realism kind of like works for you. I, one of the things that I'm noticing more and more about myself, I think I've thrown it up a bit, is like uh, I don't like, I don't really have a, a fun time a lot of time reading like um, word torrents. Like I, I really, I, I in general, I don't like this kind of like, let's just overload your senses with as many, however beautifully written, descriptive, fucking uh, disparate but related words and stuff it like it exhausts me and it might be my equivalent of like name dropping or something I don't find it to be often very effective in like being this heady thing where I'm like oh I'm getting a high from reading so many words I'm like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of it kind of it's like you know it's like you, you know you don't you don't just mash the clit you you work around it Oh, but, from, but, but all I could say is Mackie was flicking my bean in a different but, kind of way that I enjoyed. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God for that. That was perfect. That was perfect. I'm sad. Yeah, I mean whatever. Yeah, Gabe missed it, but that was that was the highlight of the night for sure. <laughs> um it got close though. Yeah, like I was almost fed up a, a couple times just with like, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, your your scoring has, like, for anything that's been super worth, like, Sleep Has His House, I think you're a little bit down on, and then yeah, another one, I think pre the divinity, The Divinity Student, I wasn't a huge fan of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in general, I actually agree with you. Like, I, I want I want less, and I don't like the wordiness, mm -hmm. but the, the few that we've read so far, I've, like, I've actually liked. I've, like, come out the other side thinking and like appreciating it but um i think this one in particular though like it had enough other elements within it and enough just like so many things to think about that it it, it like didn't end up bothering me but and, it was diff it was like the most difficult to read out of all the books we've read i think and sure. and mackie's a poet and he does a thing that i think a lot of those other examples don't do as well nabokov kind of did this he's a word person like he loves words and how they like how they feel to say and how you kind of how they kind of taste and he's like very like ta uh, tactile and like tangible you know what i mean i think that's a good analogy a good uh, comparison yeah and and that does work for me and and kind of keeps it from going over the top into what i'm describing which is just like uh inundation it's like no these things sing with each other and like move and and uh and light up the little my little receptors in my brain in a pleasant way Instead, instead, yeah, of, instead like, of developing a callus from just getting hit over and over. It's like when Louis C.K. said that he's not gay, but he would be gay for, like, the hottest guys, like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> What's the <laughs> What is that connection? <laughs> it's like Matt was saying that he doesn't like overly wordy novels, like, or writers, but it Matthew tips, does it, it so it tips well. at some point? Okay, okay, okay. I get he's, it. He's, ba he's basically... Uh, Nathaniel McConaughey 
is you that, know what? That's that time, so. <laughs> you, you're, you, you made it to the plate and you're safe, but just barely, buddy. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, also, here's, the, here's, up, here's the last I thing I'll say. Is, CK and, and that's problematic. I you're canceled. You're definitely yeah, canceled. I'm yeah. canceled. More, more like Louis C. Bad. Nice, dude. Louis, Louis C. Not okay. Yeah, Louis C. Not okay. mm, there it is. God, there it is. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, the, the last thing that I have to say about it before we go to, and, and obviously, whatever, is that if you listen to Matt and, and my appearance on the Viva La Dude podcast a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. I expressed a general um, negative view, which I still hold, about slam poetry. Uh, I don't yeah. enjoy it. And I think it is uh, cringe inducing more so than illuminative. And I think mm-hmm. that Mackey, um, and I, I read a little bit of his poetry in preparation for this, nothing like not in depth. I just found a, a couple poems here and there. Um, like Mackey is, is the sort of person who you would imagine. He's like, Oh, I love jazz. I love, I love poetry, yeah. whatever, whatever he, he, is the type of writer who I might be primed to like really, really hate because of that predilection that I have about slam poetry. But like, this is to me, this is like Mackie's work is just like slam poetry, but good. It's just like slam poetry. If slam poetry was good, it's, it's, it's like resonant. It's, it's, it, it is referential. It's repetitive. It is, you know, rhythmic. It's everything that like the slam poet, slam poetry tradition aims at but it's just done in a way there's a there's meat to it instead of it, not it, yeah i i just this i just loved it so much and it made me like like so satisfied it's so satisfying it's like you said matt so meaty and i don't think we mentioned yeah, like, like uh this this book is is 182 pages like it's it, not long it's also just a slim volume so you're getting like it's so when we say dense we just mean like it's crazy that like per page it's i don't know what's there's so much data that's a clinical way of saying it but you know i mean it is it is like uh like the 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 page count is short but the the font is small (laughs) so i mean take take that as you as you will thanks for keeping me i I did want (laughs) to to relate to what gabe just said it's sort of like helen dewett is is the harlem globetrotters and uh mackie is uh kobe bryant (laughs) <laughs> he raped again so <laughs> oh not okay. like this oh god not like this trigger warning y'all <laughs> cw cw um dun, 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 dun. Any, anyone anyone else how the fuck are we gonna do this but yeah well we can well we can run through okay we can we can run through the well okay just briefly and this is i'm just gonna state this i don't have anything else to say about it I actually think Mackie does an admirable job of characterizing all the members of the band, even though we interact with them comparatively, uh, like not very much. Yeah, uh, I think like you get a decent sense of like Aunt Nancy being the sort of like reclusive, like like focused stand-up bass player who has like a weird sort of like occult side, and then like the Drenette, the drum player, is like this sort of like sexual kind of like force of nature type person, and and uh you know well on nancy is also the spider trickster god who's essentially yes. like the, the africa's loki or something right yeah exactly um so i actually feel like you get a decent sense of the characters even though they're not like you you never really see you never really are, are you never see their perspective directly 
and you only see them through N's uh, account of it in his letters. So I, I think there's some uh, there's enough there to quickly throw him in a house. Sure. All right. Uh, I think I'm only comfortable doing the main character. I don't think I grasped enough of them, but you guys can go ahead if you want. Well, let's start with N. Let's <laughs> I, just do all do N then. Let's just do N. Yeah. By the way, this is uh we just we literally just read another book. So yeah, your favorite segment where we get to indulge our uh, proclivity to um, think about everything in terms of Harry Potter and put all the characters from the book we just read into a Harry Potter house. <laughs> it's the only way we really every because every book is a sequel to Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, that's like the new that's like the new Bertrand Russell quote. Like Bert, like Russell said, all of philosophy, all of Western philosophy is all footnotes to Plato. Just right. like all fiction books is just sequels to Harry Potter. Oh my god! Even the Great Gatsby. Yes. Even Moby Dick. It's retroactive. Yeah. Moby Dick is just Harry Potter nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, so let's talk about N. I would say he uh, a very solid Ravenclaw. I was gonna say Ravenclaw too. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Fuck. That was so effortless too easy i mean he seeks knowledge he seeks enlightenment he's also a little spiritual i would say a little spiritual yep little aspect of ravenclaw which to me is also a little hufflepuff but yes yeah but but yeah i think overall ravenclaw probably ruthlessly inquisitive of himself yes yeah 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 hufflepuff is like is like evangelical christian spiritual (laughs) ravenclaw is like crystals i i bought a ruby at the local store that i'm gonna worship on my chest right christian science monitor yeah christian science monitor lizard <laughs> the coolest monster i would that i mean if there was a christian science monitor lizard that'd be sick as a mascot it would totally work dude they they need to if there's any christian scientists listening to this podcast hit us up you can license that idea for a fee yeah it's a little taste mm. of what we got in our heads <laughs> Um, do we want to do uh, any of the other members of the band? I know Paul said you didn't feel like he had strong feelings about him, but Lambert feels uh, Gryffindor to me. Lambert uh, is definitely Gryffindor. Very fucking uh, set in his way, like not set in his ways, but like really adamant about when he's like believes in something and will like he just keep like their uh, their argument about brass versus woodwind, and just like yes. him just being like brass is crass, brass is ass. Like yes. you fucking, he didn't say that, but he's like, it's fucking the nuance of the, yeah. So Gryffindor. I uh, feel like, I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about Aunt Nancy. I want, I want to figure out where she goes. She's this weird. So where, what house is Luna Lovegood? Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I feel like she might be Ravenclaw too, because she's just so relentlessly like introspective. Like she feels like she's always generally like on her own and kind of like thinking about her own shit, like writing new music for herself and like, yeah, it's tough. There is a Ravenclaw element to just all the musicians a little bit. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of a Ravenclaw book. (laughs) That's a Raven novel. It's a yeah. Club. Hey, let's Not give one out to Angel Clawful. of Dust. That's all of you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all Ravenclaw for when you read it. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, Lambert, Aunt Suey, or whatever. 
Heidi, what was it? Aunt Nancy. Aunt Nancy. And then there's uh yeah, Jamila, who's Jamila and Penguin have a little relationship thing going on, which I think is cool. We didn't really talk about it oh, too yeah. much. But that I was did cute. I did like I did like how the guy's name is Penguin. Yeah. That was yeah. funny. <laughs> I think I think they're both Hufflepuff. They're both like emotionally like invested and seem to be kind of like sensitive. And like they're they're inspired by each or other. Oh wait, was it Drinette? Is Drinette and Penguin? Sorry, Jamila is and someone else. Jamila is the one that that um and ultimately starts to develop feelings toward toward the end right yeah so drinette is the drum player and then yeah so it's drinette and penguin hufflepuffs they're in love they're huffle loves yeah exactly drum, they're puffy luffy drumnette drumnet. that's yep that's probably part of it <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's well, all i got yeah. that's all i got for that it's 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 again it's you know there is characterization but it's it's wild dredge is ravenclaw it, it's or no dredge is uh gryffindor yeah oh. dredge is a gryffindor well i mean that's the key is like <laughs> if ends ravenclaw does that mean he contains every house within his internal uh conception yes fighting vying for power of course yes okay mm. nice dredge up just like harry potter was a slytherin and gryffindor damn you're that's <laughs> right my man new parcel tongue yeah okay well, that wasn't because of his inner his inner qualms. It was because there was a, a piece of Voldemort, the Dark Lord, in his head. That's what I'm saying. Right, but what's different? What's that difference between? It's that the same. And- it's the same way that N is fractalized into Dredge and and Jabush and Jabot. I'm Bot. I'm just saying that I think that Dredge is an act like a more of an actual part of N, but Voldemort was like actually. Like a segment of his soul was in mm. his heart. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a fair distinction. <laughs> Ten points to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um. Show so okay. So this is the first time we've done the scores early. Do we revisit any changes, any adjustments, any final thoughts? So so just to just to, just to recap, we had a a to the decimal point. Um, tie or same score <laughs> tie <laughs> not a tie <laughs> from uh, Matt and Paul at a 3.87 and then I was I was at a 4.22 at the beginning thong thong song thong song um yes. I think I'm gonna I gotta boost mine up I think okay I'm gonna do a four four point one five okay I have to I, I feel like it would be uh it, it would be a sly jab at Mackie to not break the four Mm. this is a great book it's a great book it was very difficult for me and i think that's the main reason why i can't give it like a, a five a solid yeah five. yeah sure you know but um yeah it's got to break it's got to break the four range for me 4.17 yeah i'm gonna um bring it up but uh it's just because typically with with these conversations like i just by the fact of having one and this is kind of Hopefully you guys feel like this is the point. One of the points of the podcast itself is that you can have fun with your friends. Duh. <laughs> Reading. Duh. Yeah. Uh, and besides I, fame and fortune. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> First is ruthless climbing to fame and fortune. Uh, yeah. But Online just presence that, content. <laughs> not caring about what we put out. Looking at the <laughs> metrics. Uh, it's just that like having a long form conversation generally makes me like everything more. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that yeah. At most at most I just sit on and at where I was at before. But uh, so yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just go up. Slightly. What about I'm gonna. What do about if you point. have a uh, 
I was gonna say, what if you had a long form discussion about the Holocaust? Would that make you like it more? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on what you mean by like, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't you got me there. I don't know what I I don't know what I mean by that. Shit. Uh, 3.9. 3.9. Uh, yeah. Not breaking the four. I'm pretty close. I'm no, I'm I'm gonna have to read another part of this this modular series before I'm 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 giving it that kind of credit, honestly. I'm definitely gonna read more. Uh, I'm definitely I definitely want to read the uh, the the first three volumes that I have, and then I'll probably buy Late Arcade and read that eventually too. Um, because I definitely want to sort of stay in this world that Mackie's created. I don't, I'm not going to move a ton. I'll, 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 I, again, like Matt said, it's after you have fun and talk about a book that is cool and you find cool things to talk about with it, you right. like it a little bit more inevitably, I think. So I'll, I'll go from a 4.22 to a 4.25. Um, <laughs> I'm actually French. I'm actually French. So. I think, I mean, I, I will say this is, I don't that think somewhere else I've never read, <laughs> uh, I've never read another book like this. This book is unique for me in terms that's of that's always, the, that's always a huge plus too. In terms I, I don't, of I mean, I, I don't know about, I don't know about y'all, but I cannot think of a, of a book that I've ever read that was like even relevantly similar to this book. And I mean, we've talked about some similar themes and some similar sort of like touchstone, big picture points, but like. This felt and, like a, a very sui generous experience to me. And uh, I agree with you, but I also think that this is uh, just some, uh, I, he did, I think it is supposed to be in a tradition of sorts. And so I don't know. Uh, it could just be that I'm not engaged with, with this, but yeah, I, I don't, even if it were in some sort of tradition, I think Mackie is a uh, singular enough of, of a expressor of this kind of thing that it's, yeah, it's not like anything I've read. Right. Either. Makes me. I think I'm gonna buy uh, his poet. Some of his poetry books. Yeah. yeah. I don't really. I don't really have. I've never had a desire to read poetry until after I read this book. Actually, so that was a big, big thing for me too. It rocks. That would be a. I. I'm similar, Paul. I generally consider myself to be um, not a fan and or just like ignorant to the point of disinterest with poetry. Um, so if, if you guys want us to listen to poetry, uh, send us a message on Instagram or our email or, uh, wherever. And, um, and you'll have to, uh, buy us some berets. So three berets, three, yeah, berets. three berets with the letters of our initials in them. Facts, monogram berets. And I also want to encourage everybody listening to go su- subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, spine crackers. We upload all of our episodes there with special memes. And I have to say uh some of my best work is on the youtube channel <laughs> gabe is putting uh, a lot yeah gabe's a uh, creative outlet is really it's something to behold as he blossoms into something of an artist himself something and, <laughs> yeah. i'm just picturing the fucking willem yeah. defoe spider-man <laughs> meme i'm something of an artist myself just putting memes <laughs> on a youtube channel it's in a your meme but i will say we've also been uh just as a teaser we've been talking about ways to uh uh, things that will be unique to the YouTube channel in terms of content. So keep an eye out for that also. Yes, sir. Yep. All right, everybody. See you later, suckers. See you later, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bye. You know what we all just said? Psych. San Dimas High School football Bye. rules. <laughs>
<laughs> Sucker crackers, get out of here. Oh my god. <laughs> Bye. Bye.